Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf tes vav. Um, today's shiz leilunish ma'as ben Sion ben Zeev Avram Halevi. Yerach um, Yirmiyahu ben Yehuda and Yeta bas Harav Yosef. May the neshamas have an aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Um, today's the twenty. Yes. And uh, yeah, and we wish uh, Benji a long laugh, and we'll do the Shirley Ilunishmas, his father. What's it, Yehuda? Sorry, yeah. Yehuda Ben Yaakov Velvel. May uh, may his wonderful family be a great merit for him. Um, Today is the 29th day of the Oimer. Hayom Tisha ve'esrem yom shayim arbo shvots ve'yom echad ba'oimer. Yeah, it's Pesach Shani today, so uh, don't know, good semi-yom tov. Don't know exactly how to refer to Pesach. Even after learning all the Gemara's about it, I don't know exactly how we view today. Okay, but it, it is a special day. Um, let's start. So we actually got quite far, a uh, bit far down on Pes Vovim. Pardon, Mervin? And also for a full shleim of Ruvain Ben Leia, may he have a spe- uh, yeah, complete and speedy recovery. Um, okay, so back to today's daf is daf Tes Vov 15. We're about 15 lines from the top of the page, Rav Papa Omar. So just to, he's going back on a previous issue we raised, so let's just jump back. Is we said, our Mishnah, we start off the discussion yesterday, um, our Mishnah implies that the... Katoris was done first, and then the lamps of the menorah were cleaned out and set up from last night. This is all in the morning, um, from last night for the following day. We then brought a mission in Yum in uh, Tomid, which seemed to argue, but more pressing and more to us is it contradicts the Mishnah later on, which implies that the Neiros were set up, the lamps were set up, and then only later on the... Uh, and afterwards, the Katoires was offered, which is, seems to contradict our Mishnah. So Abaya came along and he answered it very interestingly. He says, no. He says, we know that how, what was the setup of the menorah? They first did, it was, remember, the menorah had seven uh, branches, so there were seven lamps. They first set up five lamps. Excuse me. Then there was a break for, as we're learning, the Katoires. And then only later on was there, and then later after the Katoris, they would set up the last two lamps. So he, Abaya comes along and he says, Al Mishnah, which discusses first the Katoris and then the lamps, that's discussing the last two lamps of the menorah. And the Mishnah later on, which discusses the lamps and then offering the Katoris, is speaking about cleaning out from the old ash and wicks and then and preparing it for the next for the for that evening is the first five lamps um just an interesting idea i heard on this is many people have the practice to say the seder hayom basically they say the korbonos and the different actions of the kohanim every day and they say it according to abba shaul which was that first you do the you start the menorah then you do the sprinkle the blood and then you start the Sorry, that according to Abba Shaul, 
is the is uh, you do the blood the the menorah blood and menorah um Um, so they asked the question, that's according to Abishul, and the Rambam Paskins like Rabbonon, why do they say it like a buyer's tradition according to Abishul? You should go according to the Rabbonon. So he said an important point is look, I don't know I don't I don't know if 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 it's the exact if it's the best reason given why we say it according to Abishol, if the Psak is like the Rambam. But it's an interesting idea he mentioned was that we have to remember that Gomorrah is full of machlokes. And it's equally important to learn the opinions that are that we don't Paskin like, like the opinions that we do Paskin like for various reasons. And that's uh, so therefore when we're saying the Seder Hayom, we say it like a bias tradition in line with Abishol, even though that's not how we Paskin to remind us that it's also important to know Abishol's opinion, even though we don't Paskin like that. Okay, but let's get back to Algamora. So Rav Popper's going to give us a different answer how to resolve the contradiction. Again, that Al Mishnah seems to say that you first do the Katoris and then the Menorah, and the Mishnah later on says you do the. Um, you do the the katoires and then the lamps. Sorry, the, the lamps and then the katoires. Okay, so Rav Papa Amar Loi Kasha Ho Rabbanon Ho Abishol. Rav Papa says no, it's it's a machloikes Rabbanon and Abishol. It's not discussing the two lamps or the five lamps. The one was the five lamps were done before the Bikatorius and the and the two lamps were done after the Katorius like Abayas says he says it's different opinions. Our Mishnah is Rabbonon that the Katorius are done first, and the Mishnah later on is Abashol that the Katorius were done after that the Hatova, the setting up the lamps were done first. So you establishing our Mishnah in line, according to Rav Popi, you're establishing our Mishnah in line like the Rabbonon. Pious, the Mishnah later on discussing the lottery, Ka'abashol, it's like Abashol, aim a safer, but if you look at the end of the Mishnah over there, it says, Have you lois at Tomid? they bring the coin God all the Tomid. Kortso, he does a partial shkita, umorak acha shkita al yodo, and then a second Kohen comes and completes the shkita. Because remember, the coin God all has to do the whole avoider. So he has to do the shkita, shecht in the animal, and the receiving of the blood. Now how does he, now how can he do that? How can he shecht and receive the blood? Again, remember the avoid has to be done with his right hand. So no, he does a majority of the windpipe and the airpipe. So it's a kosher shkita. He then gets a bowl while another kohen completes the shkita and he catches the dam. So that's the, that's why it says kartso, partial shkita. Nichnas lahaktiris hakatoris lahativis hakneiros. And then he goes in to do the katoris and to set up the neiros. Says Asan the Rabbonon, that is now the Rabbonon. Reish of a Sefer Rabbonon and Mutsi Abashol. So wait, now how you've explained it is our Mishnah is the Rabbonon. The late Mishnah is the Rabbonon. And the middle one, which says that you do the Hatova first, is Abashol. He says, Omar Lechor Papa in Reish of a Sefer Rabbonon and Mutsi Abashol. You're right. That is how you have to understand that, that 
there's two Mishnahs which are in line with Rabbonin, and in the middle of them is a mission in line with Abba Shaul. Now you can see, we're going to say, why don't Abai and Rav Papa learn like that? You can see the difficulty with Rav Papa. He says, Bishlam Abai la Amak Rav Papa, Reish of a Sefer Rabbonin Mitziyosa Abba Shaul. That makes sense why Abai doesn't want really to learn like um, like Rav Papa, that the first and the last point Mishnahs, the the earlier and the latter Mishnah, the Rabbonin and the Mishnah between them is Abishol, Lo Mokimla, he doesn't want to learn like that, okay, and it doesn't, it doesn't flow, it's, it's jumping around the opinions in the Mishnah, so, so that makes sense why Abaya gave a different answer, remember Abaya said our Mishnah is before is the first, our Mishnah is the last two lamps and the later Mishnah is the first two lamps, is the first five lamps and that's why the Katara seems to be done before or after, but at the end of the day, it's all the Rabbonin. But Rav Popa, my time alone and come by. Why doesn't Rav Popa learn like a bias? He says, Omelachot, Tanabaresha, Atovas, Steineros, Vahadar, Atovas, Chameshneros. He says, because if you learn like a bias, then the Mesecht is out of order. Remember, the order of the point we discussed in is the coin would clean out the five lamps, then he would offer the Kotores, and then he would do the two lamps. But now, if you learn it like a bias, our Mishnah is discussing the two lamps. And the Mishnah later is discussing the five lamps, which is out of order. Again, it's five lamps, Katoris, two lamps. So that's why Rav Popper doesn't want to learn like a bias. He says, But a bias will explain, Here it's just a general guide. And later on it is the specific Seder that it repeats. I ask, what's the question we're dealing with in our Mishnah? That we come on to. We just want to know what does the Kohen Godel do during the days of when he's separated. The days when he's, the seven days before Yom Kippur when he's in the Lishkas Ha Parahedron. So what does he do during those days? Oh, so one of those things is he cleans out the candles. But it doesn't really matter the order so much. Are we discussing five lamps, two lamps? He just discusses what he does, some of the things he does, so that he's familiar with the avoider. But later on, when it's focusing on what is the Seder, how exactly does the coin God have to do it? Okay, well then it mentions the five lamps first. And now we're going to bring a statement that we mentioned yesterday. So just back to what it was, is remember... Different korbanos, you, uh, you take the korban and you shift it and you sprinkle the blood on the Mizbech. Different types of korbanos, you sprinkle the blood on the Mizbech in a different way. The two types of korbanos that we're going to focus on is an oila and a chattis. So I'll just mention how you do them. The oila, you do by, um, you, take, you take the blood and you throw it on two, you do two throws, which is four. You throw it on the... South, no, I lost my, uh, I just forgot it. Let me just check quickly. Um, on the, on the northeast, and then on the southwest. Um, again, and when you throw it on the corner, then it splits onto both sides. So it's just through, it's two applications of the blood, but it goes on all four sides. That's how you do the, Ola, a korban chattis, you're actually supposed to walk to the top of the Mizbech, and the Kohen applies it to each of the four kerets, the each of the four uh, horns in the corners of the Mizbech. So that's the difference between the Ola and the chattis. 
Now, let's just see, we're going to have a machloik as how you do the korban tomid. The korban tomid was actually an ola, a burnt offering. So it should, you would expect it to be done by doing through two applications, which are four. So he says, Gufa bol ola kerem mizrachis foynis, noisem mizrachis foynis. The kohen comes to the northeast side and he sprinkles... The, he throws the blood on the northeast side. My Robis Dromis, no, he's saying my Robis Dromis. And when he comes to the north, to the southwest side, then he sprinkles, throws it on the southwest side. I had two applications which turn out to be four. Vitani Ola, Rebbe Shimon Ishamatsape, and Rebbe Shimon Ishamatsape taught. When he comes to the southeast, Sorry, to the to the northeast side. He applies it to the northeast corner. Marov is droimis, but when he comes to the southwest side, noisein ma'arova, he does an application on the west side. Va'achakach noisein droima, and then an application in the south side. So according to Rabbi Shimon, according to the standard way of doing it, you'd come to the northeast. And you'd do one application which would split onto both sides. And you'd come to the southwest and you'd do one application and it would split onto both sides. However, according to Rabbi Shimon okay, the northeast you do like that. But on the southwest, you do one application on the south and one application... Oh, sorry, one application on the west and then one application on the south. Oh, you split it up. So this is my time with Rabbi Shimon Ishamatsape. What's the source? Where does Rabbi Shimon Ishamatsape get the strange way of doing the sprinkling of the blood? So Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Mishum Chad Debei Rabbi Yanai. In the name of one of the Talmidim of Rabbi Yanai's Yeshiva, he says, Omar Kroz, based on the following posuk. It says, V'si'iri zem echor lachatas l'Hashem on... I'm trying to remember, I think this was Rosh Chodesh, but it's discussing one of the um, special days when there was a Musaf offering, so you'll offer a goat as a chattis to Hashem. Al olas hatamid ya seven is go. For the olas hatamid, you shall do it. Now, the standard way of reading that posuk is al almost as above, in addition to the olas hatamid, but he's making a drosha as you will do the chattis. You'll apply the chattis to the ola, I, to the day. You'll do the daily offering a bit like a chattis. So he says, We know that the daily offering, the tomit, is an ola, but you treat it, you, um, you, you, uh, you do it like a chattis. Says, okay, so how would you fulfill that criteria of? It's an ola and a chata. So he says, no, it's an achashish time. You do one application, which is two. Kamase oila, like you would do an oila. And shtaim shayin shtaim, and two separate applications. Kamase chatas, like you would do a chatas. So then the Gemara, ah, the litein shtaim shayin arba kamase oila, arba shayim arba kamase chatas. He says, wait, if you're telling me, Rabbi Shimon Isham at Sape, that the Korban Tomid must be done both like an Ola and like a Tamid, you should do it properly like an Ola and properly like a Tamid. I go to the northeast corner and do one application, which is two, then go to the south west corner and do one application which is two and then go to each corner and do an application like like if it was a chattis so the Gemara answers he says no we never find that you do the application of blood 
and then you go and redo the application of blood. So that's what you say. No, we never find a precedent to do it in that way. That you've got to do that you do a whole a normal sprinkling and then a different type of sprinkling. So the Gemara, oh, the Gemara then asks, he says, He says, yeah, but we also never find that you do the application of the blood half like an ola and half like a chattas. You have to say that the Torah is connecting them and telling you to do it half-half. Well, then, you can also say that the Torah is connecting them to say you do two sets of sprinkling. One set like the, a full set like the Ola and a full set like the Chattas. So, so why can't you say that? Again, the Gemara is happy to say we do this unusual type of sprinkling that's half like an ola and half like a chattas comes along the Gomorrah and says but why don't we do the unusual sprinkling by saying you do a full set of ola sprinklings and then a full set of chattas sprinklings maybe that's what you're supposed to do so the Gomorrah says no that's just splitting up the applications it's a very minor adjustment and instead of sprinkling on that, well, why is it such a minor judgment? Instead of throwing the blood that it lands on the corner and goes to both sides, you're just taking the blood and putting it to each side. So it's a really a minor adjustment. But wait, you're going to go and do half of the applications like an ola and half of the applications like a chattas. That's a major adjustment. Especially since I'm just thinking now, the ola was generally done Remember, there was a, a red line halfway between the Mizbah, and the Ola blood was sprinkled below the red line, and the Chattas was done at the top of the Mizbah, above the red line. So if you're going to do two sprinklings, you're going to go around the Mizbah, then you're going to go up the ramp, each corner. It's a much more, much more different way, and a much a greater, sorry, a more unusual way of doing that. It says, Oh, well, if you're telling me to do half like an ola and half like a chattas, why do you do it all at the bottom half of the mizbech? The parts that you do like the ola should be done on the bottom half of the mizbech like a regular ola, and the parts that you do on the top of the mizbech, again, should be done, you should take, the parts that are done like the chattas should be done at the top of the mizbech, like I just mentioned. So he says, no, We never find that you do the blood applications half below and half above. I'm very interested. What's the answer? Is no, that's way too unusual to have to again walk up the ramp in the middle of the applications of the blood. Is unusual. Is a greater distortion of the standard procedure, and therefore again we have a choice of doing a minor deviation from the standard procedure, from the usual way of doing the application, or a major way. We're going to first do it. We're going to rather do it in the unusual way. Just before we go on, so what have we said again? The Korban Tomid was an oiler, but Rabbi Shimon Isha Matsape comes along and he says, the Posuk says, you'll do the Chattas, again the Sirism of a Chattas on the oiler of the Tomid. Ah, you do a Chattas, and you apply the laws of the Chattas to the Tomid. So instead of doing just two applications, which are four, i.e. one application in the north, east corner and one application in the southwest corner, you do one application in the northeast corner and a separate application on the south and a separate application in the 
sorry, a separate application in the West and then a separate application in the South. Now the Gemara he says, but, and then we said, and the reason you don't do half on the ground and half on top of the Mizbech, well, half on the bottom half and half on the top of the Mizbech, is because you need to have, uh, um, you need to have, uh, sorry, it's just not general thought, is that's a too great a deviation. He says, and we never find that you do some blood on the bottom half and some blood on the top half, some blood above and some blood below. He says, you're telling me we don't. What about the following Mishnah? Now this Mishnah is regarding the blood of the bull. When the Kohen Godol on Yom Kippur, remember he the one special bull offering he would take and sprinkle the blood in the Holy of Holies. And how would he sprinkle the blood in the Holy of Holies? Half aimed, well, we're going to assume half aimed at the top of the lid of the Aaron Kodesh and half aimed below at the bottom of the lid of the Aaron Kodesh. And that's what we're going to say. He says, we see you do sometimes do some blood to the top and some blood to the bottom. He says, You sprinkle one above and one below. So we see that there is a time when you do some above and some below. So why don't we say the same thing in our case? So the Moran says, no, kamatzleif, because how you do our sprinkling is like a whip. My kamatzleif, what does it mean, kamatzleif? Rebbe Yehuda showed them a whipping motion. How's the Kohen, again, he's not sprinkling it onto the Aaron Kodesh, but how's he sprinkling it to the Aaron Kodesh? One above and one below. Not aiming... Not aiming up or low, he's either sprinkling, he does one sprinkling with a whip-like motion with his palm facing up, and seven sprinklings with his palm facing down. Then the Gabriel asks, I've got another challenge. He says, Again, this is the blood of the Korban that he then goes and he sprinkles it on the, he will, he does some applications to the corners of the golden altar and he does some on the Tiharo Shomizbech. What's the Tiharo Mizbech? My love, a palga de Mizbech. It must be on the halfway of the Mizbech. Because the Omri Incha, Tiara Tihar. Who palga de Yuma? People use the phrase of the Tahor of the day, maybe the clearest, the most pure part of the day, I midday. So it's saying that where does he put the blood, on the middle of the golden altar, which means you're doing some of the applications on the top, the corners of the golden altar, and some in the bottom, lower down. So we see there is a time where you do some applications and some appli- above and some applications below. So Amar Rabba Barashila says that's not the explanation. He says, Agufa the Mizbech. You put it on the actual Mizbech, which Rashi explains means on the top of the Mizbech. Dursiv, as it's written, where do we see the, the phrase on the actual, I'll explain why it calls it the actual Mizbech shortly, but it says, and it appeared very clearly like the heavens. Um, this is a great Navur that certain people had um, at the time of Matan Torah. They saw heaven very clearly. Basically, on the top of the Mizbech, remember, there was the incense, etc. And they would clear away the incense so you could see the Mizbech Hazov clearly. The gold of the Mizbech Hazov. And that's where the Kohen would put the blood. Um, so, on the Tohor of the Mizbech. But again, um, what are we saying? 
that we never find that some blood is put upwards and some blood is put downwards. The blood's always either on the towards the bottom or towards or on the top. And we try to ask a question from the way the Koyagodal sprinkles the blood apart towards the Aaron Kodesh and the Kodesh Akatoshim. And we also try to challenge that from where he places the blood on the Mizbeach Azohov. But both we actually came out that it's the same motion, the same direction. Now the Gemara challenges asks a different angle. He says, It says, Why do we say that he does the application in the way of the oiler first, he should first do the application in the way of the chattas. Again, how do we say he does it? He goes to the northeast corner like a ola, and he throws it on the corner and it goes on to both sides. And then when he comes to the west and the south, there he does one application like the chattas. But we know there's no, in Zvachim teaches us when you have a choice between offering two sacrifices, which sacrifice do you do first between a chattas and a ola? A chattas. So you should do the applications. You should do an application on the east side, then on the north side, and then do one application on the corner of the southwest, like, a, like you're doing a chattas before an oiler. So the Gemarans know, given the oiler he he kodma since the actual korban tomit is an oiler, you do that one first. Now, just before we go further, um, the following questions are based on where would the Kohen start his avoider? Let me just see if I have a picture very quickly. But he would start the avoider at the ramp. Now the ramp... Um, here's a fair picture. Not, uh, not the maddest about these pictures, but I'll use this and then I'll try to look for a better one later. No, that's not. Uh, sorry, one second. Oh, yeah. Um, if you look at this picture of the Mizbeach, the ramp is on the south. So here's the north. So remember, as we've explained it so far, um, how does the Kohen Godel goes to the um, the northeast side? That's over here, and he throws it once. Okay, you can see the red line, the halfway, the bottom half. He throws it once at that, and it goes on the and the the east and north side and it, together. And then he walks and he does it on the west, and then he does it on the east. So he'll do an application over there and an application over there. And the following questions are based on the assumption that whenever the coin is going to do his ricker, he will start in the south because that's where the ramp is. So that's like the opening, the access to the Mizbeach. So he's always going to start his sprinkling in the south. So let's keep that in mind that he's starting around here to do his sprinkling. Where should he start? Um... So he says, Why do we say that he does it in the northeast corner and the southwest corner? Let him put it in the southwest corner, which would be the first corner right by where he's starting, and then in the opposite corner, the north 
the northwest corner. Why doesn't he do it like that? Again, why does he come from the south to the north and sprinkle it on the northeast corner and then to the up? We know why he does it on opposite corners. He definitely has to do it on opposite corners to get the blood application on all four sides. But why doesn't he start on the southeast side? So the more answers, he says, Omri, they said, Euler to Una Yasod. You can only apply the blood of the Euler where there is the base of the Mizbeach. And the Karen Droimis Mizrachis La Havela Yasod. There was no Yasod on the southeast side. Um, let me just see if this is the best we have. One second. Sorry, I lost. Um, but basically, they remember there was a base going around the Mizbech of one of one Amr, one Amr. But it actually didn't extend fully around the Mizbech. If you look here, it only went on the on the north side and the west side, and a little bit around, about an Amr around the south side and the north side. So you can't apply the blood of the Euler in the southeast side because there's no base there. You would have to go to the corner where the base is. And that would be this picture over here. This would be the southeast side where there is base as opposed to, sorry, not the southeast, the northeast side as opposed to over there, the southeast side. So that's the answer. It says, Okay, and then we can ask another question. Why does he first walk all the way to the northeast and then go around to the southeast, to the south, sorry, the northeast, and then go down to the southwest? Once he's in the south, why doesn't he just do it on the southwest anyway? So the Gemara answer is no, keep into Omar called Ponyo. Since Mar says that whenever you turn in the Avoida, but especially around the Mizbech, whenever you're turning, you turn to the right. The east is where he comes first. I.e., he's standing in the south by the ramp and he turns to his right. So he's facing the Mizbech, he turns to his right. That's the first corner he comes to. As we said, he can't do it on that corner because there's no Yasod, there's no base. So he walks around to the to the northeast corner. Once he's in the northeast corner, well then we know it has to go on the opposite corner. So he'll carry on walking around the Mizbech on the right, um, like that, until he gets to the southwest corner and do the second applications over there, or the second and third. Just interestingly, this concept of you always turn right, there are actually quite a few scenarios that we apply it in Halacha. You can... Check which are based on this concept and which are based on another concept. But we know when a Kohen's Duchanin, he turns from side to side, he should turn to his right first. Um, a second halacha is when you're getting an aliyah to the Torah, you walk up in the shortest way, you, the quickest way possible to the, to the bimah. And that's because you don't want to keep people waiting. So you get there as quick as possible. And then obviously, whichever way you come from, you would go the opposite way away from the bimah. But what happens if it's the same distance? It's you're in the middle of the shul and you just got to walk up to the bimah. Which way do you go first? So you turn to your right first. 
then so too in Lechadodi, when we turn to the back of the shul, should probably turn to your right. I know with lulav, I'm not sure again if this is the reason, but when you're shaking your lulav, you go, again, there are different in Hagen, but the standard um, Ashkenazi way of shaking your lulav is you go forward, and then right, and then left. You're turning, you're going around um, to your right first. Um, so that's an interesting concept that we find, you always turn right. Then the Gomorrah's now the Gomorrah asks one f- um, another question on this on Rebbe Shimon Ishamatzape's way of learning. He says, How do you know that the Torah is telling us to do the Oila, the daily offering, a bit like a Khatas? Maybe it's telling us that the Korban Khatas, the offering under discussion should be done a bit like an oila. So he says, you can't think that because the apostle on you'll apply this to the oila of the Tomid, you'll do its libation. What's the Torah telling us? Send an aspect of the chattas onto the oila. If you read the pasuk al, this word on, it's saying take the chattas and add it onto the oila, as opposed to reading the pasuk the other way around. So again, we have a machlokas. We know the korban tomid is a oila, and therefore it would make sense to throw the blood one application in the in the northeast and one application in the southwest. And it would count as four applications because it goes on all sides of the back when you throw it at the corner. Um, you know, like this diagram over here, you can see it's gone to the north side and to the east side. So that's two applications. Um, but Rabbi Shimon Ishamatsapes makes a special drosha and he says, no, when you get to the, that's how you do it in the northeast. But in the southwest, you actually do two separate applications. This drosha he learns from the chattas. Okay, so it's very interesting. The next piece Rashi points out once brought that's got nothing to do with the Gomorrah we're learning, except that it uses the same line of logic to work out the author of a Mishnah as we just used. And Rashi points out very amazingly that it's actually a very unusual way, very rare in Shas. Basically, what did we do? We wanted to know, we, want, we brought a contradiction between our Mishnah and a Mishnah in Tomid, and we wanted to know who's the author of the who's the author of the Mishnah. So he said, well, we find Rabbi Shimon Ishtsoyfe argues in Tomid on the Stam Mishnah there, and our Mishnah argues on another Mishnah in Tomid, so it must be Rabbi Shimon Ishtsoyfe. Comes along Rabbi, um, comes along Al Gomorrah, and is going to show another case where we're trying to work out the, ta- the author of a Mishnah Two contradictory masechtas, and we're going to say it must be a certain Tana because we find he's the opinion brought in a totally different Mishnah in that masechta. Tanan Hasam, we learned over there. He says, This is regarding the Seder to do the morning offering. The Mamuna, the second in command, tells the the coin to go bring a lamb from the Lishkas Hatloim, from the place where the lambs were kept. Remember, they had to keep a, the, the Korban Tomid, the lamb for it, had to be checked for four days. So they had a, 
a room where they would keep them and have them updated every day. As they would take two, they would add another two to keep it that they always had checked for four days. He said, Now the Lishkas Hatloim was in the northeast corner. The Arba Lishkas Hoyusham. And there were actually four Lishkas. So what we're discussing is, as I pointed out, this part of it, the base Hamoikad, um, the Lishkas Hamoikad, that's the fire, the fire chamber, because it, there was always a fire burning there for the Kohanim to keep warm. Remember, they had to be walking barefoot on the marble floor, so to keep warm, there was this chamber with the constant fire burning. So we discussed, so the Lishkas Hatloim was in the northwest corner. That's, I don't know if you can see it clearly enough, but it's Lamed Ches in this diagram. Um, so he says, so that's the Lishkas Hatloim. Now it just mentions, and there were four, there were four chambers in that room. It says, Achat Lishkas Hatloim, Achat Lishkas the one was the Lishkas HaTloim we just discussed another one was the Lishka where they kept the stamps with the signs remember we learned in Shkolim that anytime someone was offering a different type of Korban they would go and get a pay for a different uh, ticket and he would take that ticket to the person who gave, gave out the flour and the oil for the Minchas the right amount for the different type of Korban one was for another fire hurt um, another fire chamber, and Achas Lishka Shoisim Balechem Aponim, and one was for the Lishka that the family who used to make the Lechem Aponim, the base Kamo, used to work there. Um, interest, why was there a second fire hearth? So that was, as we're going to say, the bottom half of this, either south is Kodesh, and the north is outside Temple Mount, so it's not as holy. So Kohanim who had to stay warm but were not yet Tohor enough, who purified themselves but were not yet Tohor enough to go into the actual Temple Mount, could stay warm in that chamber over there. Now it says Viriminu. There's a contradiction. Now the main contradiction we're going to bring is that we said the chamber of lambs was over here, Lamed Ches, and we're going to bring a different opinion which says that it was actually where Lamed Tes is over there, the southwest side. Says, there were four chambers in the base of Mokdos, like semi-open rooms that open into a hall. Two were on holy land and in the holy, in the courtyard, and two were in Chol, outside of Temple Mount, or outside of the temple. It says, they had a row of stakes running between them to show which was holy and which was shows What were they used for? Marovistromis, the southwest side was he, Lishkat's clay korban, was for the lambs. Droimis Mizrochis, the southeast side, he, Lishka, Shehoyo, Oisim, Bo, Lechem, Aponim, that's where they would make the Lechem, Aponim. Mizrochis, Foynis, the northeast side, Bo, Gonzu, Beit, Chashmana, Avne, Mizbeah, Sheshish, Sheshok, Tzum, Malche, Yovon, that's where they kept the stones of the Mizbeah that the Greeks um, defiled. When the Greeks conquered the temple, this is the story of Hanukkah, and they used them as Beah for Avodah they didn't want to use it for Hashem, so they dismantled it, and built a new one, but they kept the stones, were still Kodosh, were still holy, so they kept them in this other chamber. And Tzfoinis Marovis, Boyord in the Beisat Fila, the northwest is where Kohanim, who became Tomei when they were staying in that room overnight, would go take a tunnel out of the Beisat Mikdash. But what do, what's the main point why we bring in this discussion? Is because, as I pointed out, the first Mishnah said that the 
chamber of where they kept the lambs for the korban tomid was in the northeast, northwest, and the, the second brisa we brought said it's in the southwest. Aye? The first one was from Maseches Tomid, and the second one was from Maseches Midos. So, how do you resolve the contradiction? So, Amar Avuna Mantana Midos, who's the Tana who teaches anonymous Mishnahs in Midos? Rebilaza Ben Yaakov here. It's Rebilaza Ben Yaakov. To Tana, as we learned in another Mishnah in Midos, Ezra's Noshim Hoysa Oirech Mevishloishim, the Chamesh Al Roicha Mevishloishim, the Chamesh. The Ezra's Noshim was. 200, let me just find it quickly, was, a, sorry, 135 by 135. Yeah, this was the Ezra's Noshim. As you can see, this is the right half, the, the east half of that diagram. Here's the Mizbech. You can just see it on the corner. But yeah, so here the length and breadth of this was 135 Amos. And there were four chambers in each of its corners. Again, this is the main, the, this is what's called the Ezra's Noshim, the women's courtyard. What were they each used for? Um, the south, the southeast one, so that's this one, Yud base. the Nazir used to cook his cook his lamb, his shlomim that he had to eat there, he would shave his hair, put it under the pot, all the procedure that the Nazir has to go through, but that was in the southeast uh, corner, Mizrach Etzfoynes, in the northeast corner, that was the chamber of wood, where the Kohanim who had mumim couldn't do the avoider, they would check the wood for worms, you weren't allowed to have wood with worms on the Mizbah, so they had to check, and take out any worms from the wood. Tzvonis Marovis in the northwest, and that's where the Mitzoras would have to undergo their procedure. I don't want to go through it now, but there's a whole special procedure for a Mitzora. And Omar, and what about the Marovis Dromis, the southwest, this chamber over here? It's labeled Yud Gimel in the diagram. Omar Rebi. Rebbe Yaakov, who's been telling us this whole Mishnah, says, I forgot what it is used for. He says, this is where they stored the, Abishol says, it's where they stored the wine and the oil. But what are we bringing out, why are we bringing this? Because we want to work out who's the author of the Mishnah in Midos. So we say that's Rebbe Lezeben Yaakov. How do we know it's Rebbe Lezeben Yaakov? Because a totally different Mishnah in Tom in in uh, Midos takes for teacher implies that the anonymous Mishnah is Rebbe Lezeben Yaakov. So now we're going to take that Mishnah and say, oh, well, if the author of that Mishnah is Rebbe Lezeben Yaakov, then the author of the Mishnah that we're discussing in Midos must also be. Rebbe Eleza ben Yaakov. We're going to leave it here, but the Gemara is going to bring another source, another proof that the anonymous author in Meseches Midos is um, Rebbe Eleza ben Yaakov. But we'll leave that for tomorrow.